Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. So I've kind of taken a break from watching Rest of Development because it was getting annoying. Uh, there was sort of this point where like I was watching it and thinking, I think it's too soon for this rewatch. I feel like I just watched this like two weeks ago and that's actually probably accurate. So since it's been several months since I've watched The Office, I decided to put that on because I have it on my Vudu, at least the first two seasons. And it's been really fun rewatching it, but it got me, it reminded me of what I thought would be a great season 10 opener if there ever was a season 10 opener i want to i want to tell you what i think is the only way that season 10 can open daniel can i tell you it sure (laughs) he says with reluctance (laughs) Um, i literally think and i've i've thought about this just because i don't know if we ever need a season 10 i know that people pine for it but i've thought the only way you can open season 10 of the office is it's a wide shot of a hospital it zooms in like it does and then you start hearing Will Ferrell talk and it's D'Angelo waking up from his coma <laughs> that he gets into after falling off from the basketball net. And it's him just talking about like the experience of having a coma and how he's excited to get back to work and just sort of the random hijinks of his character. And then when the office music is playing the intro song, it's just like scenes of hospital life. So like someone replacing the like the pan that you pee into when you can't get out of bed and like flipping D'Angelo over or like just like an accidental flat line. So a bunch of doctors run in to take care of him and then it just turns out he's fine. And then the opening, sh- sh- uh, like the end of it, when it does the do, uh, do, 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 do. And it says like the office, you see the office proper and D'Angelo standing there. And then I thought it would just be funny if like someone ran him over because they weren't expecting him to be there. And then the episode proper is about Phyllis killed somebody on their way to work. Who was it? I don't know. And then it's just, yeah, that's it. D'Angelo dies in the first episode of season 10. The entire thing is no one knew who it was. Insurance says it wasn't Phyllis's fault for some reason. And they're thinking, should we feel bad because someone killed somebody? And you can replace it with Phyllis or to somebody else, but that's what I feel like would be the only way you could start episode one, season 10 of The Office. And I've really tried to figure out if there's another way to do it, but there's not. And that's that's what I want 
That's what I want to see if this ever exists. What do you think, Dan? What, what does that sound? Does that sound like marginally interesting? Oh, I do. I checked out. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> well, so did D'Angelo after minute, three episodes. Yeah, the minute you're like, so like, you know, Will Ferrell got into a coma after the basketball hoop. Just like my brain just totally. <laughs> I just think it would be the perfect like out of left field. Like everyone's so excited to see Michael Scott again. And everyone's so excited to see Jim and Pam. And it's just the opening scenes are D'Angelo in a hospital bed, like waking up. To me, that's like, that's the perfect deep cut. Uh, you have an actor that people like, sort of a character that I think is woefully underutilized and has some of the best lines in the show. Like when they go to Meredith's house and he just says, like, this reminds me of Katrina. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, <laughs> or <laughs> when he's supposed to be learning how to do public speaking and he just asks Jim, so where were you on 9 11? <laughs> like, it's just like all these perfect, just golden lines. And I'm like, that's got to be how the season 10 opens is he's just in a hospital bed waking up from his coma. But, anyways, I just, I wanted to mention that. The, the office season 10 <laughs> intro that's oh, all glad I, you like, got that off your chest because <laughs> i just keep you. thinking about it and i'm like there's just i i've tried to think of i i've literally had this internal like match kind of like how, how shang chi fights abomination or doesn't even fight him because <laughs> they totally tease that he would but um in this movie how there is like yeah trying to have these competing intros for a season 10 open episode one and I'm like, nothing's funnier than just like, here's here's Will Ferrell again for no reason. Yeah, we we got him out of his like, I don't know, early retirement. We got the dust off of his jokes and brought him in. I just that would be great. That's all I want. But anyways, uh, Shang Chi, dude. I guess uh, we saw this. We saw this this weekend. Did when did you did you see it on Thursday? I saw it Friday morning, so Friday morning, yeah. Why? So <laughs> before work, well, it's just like it's it's cheaper, and typically like nice. either it's like a emptier theater or it's only people who really want to see it, so you get more respectful audiences. And com- comparatively to your Black Widow screening, I'm yes. sure that it was very nice to go yes. early morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was much nicer to go where there weren't kids next to me talking. Yeah, Shang Chi, like. The one weird thing, and if you follow us on Twitter, I shared this experience with you, is that when I sat down in theater, I was I was the third person in the theater. Uh, the two people before me were a couple. They were sitting in front of me, and they had the most bizarre argument I've ever heard in a theater, which was that I'm assuming they're a couple. Uh, I don't know if they're married or dating or what have you. I think they might have been married because it was such a weird argument that I feel like only people who've been like together for a while could have it, where... Uh, he, the guy kept saying like, you better go to the bathroom before the movie starts. You better go to the bathroom before the movie starts. <laughs> what? And she was saying, she kept saying, when does the movie start? When does the, what time is it? When does the movie start? And he just kept going, you better go to the bathroom. <laughs> they just what? did. They went back and forth for a while. They started before the screen turned on. Then the, the, you know, the uh, Maria Menounos was on the screen throughout the whole thing before the trailer started. They did that constantly and then she was like i i i don't know i i have to go but like I, when does the movie start when does the movie start he was kept he kept he get angrier he was just like you better go where the movie starts what? And I, I, men need to be stopped i almost like <laughs> i almost like piped in it was like 
movie starts in 15 minutes you know it literally starts 20 once once the trailer starts you got 20 minutes yeah like i, I mean that's what I, that's what maybe so weird so weird is like either he's had this experience before where she just goes all the time or something or she's never been to a movie theater before because like i feel like it's common knowledge that you have like the dumb stuff beforehand where you get like extended behind the scenes looks at like, yeah showtime shows you've never heard of and then there's like 15 minutes of trailers. Like I feel like that's common. So like, does she just not know? And like, this is this like an ongoing thing where every time they go to the movie, she just gets up all the time. And then she never went to the bathroom. She didn't go before the movie. Did she go during the movie? It was just a non-issue. It was so strange. And then I don't know. I was like, ah, yes. I'm so cl- movie theaters are back, baby. I miss this. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I came to this early morning screen. I love being charged so much money uh, just to sit in the theater to get COVID and also have a bad yeah. time at the same time. I paid $7 like, yeah. for a soda and I went to the bathroom. None of the, fa- uh, none of the faucets, none of the uh, sinks had soap, which I feel like is something you should have during a pandemic. It's amazing how bathrooms in movie theaters are just objectively the worst bathrooms I'll, I'll ever visit in my entire life. I have gone to public restrooms. I have even used urinals that are not, you know, of course I've used, you know, but like Ooh. I've used, um, what are they called? Uh, porta potties. I've used porta potties that are objectively cleaner than movie theater bathrooms. But yeah, movie theaters, every time I go, they are just disgusting. They never have what they need. I don't know what it is about people and bathrooms and the fact that they just stop learning how to care about the world and their fellow man that you can just and i i feel like this is something that also probably happens in women's bathrooms too but like people will just like make a disgusting mess and then leave we need to interview these people we need to get a podcast together we interview people who ruin bathrooms <laughs> you mean like uh you mean like in um nathan for you when um there's like what is it uh it's we're gonna play we're going to let you, it was a, it was a public bath. It was a bathroom in a restaurant and they said people can use it for free, but you need to be advertised to. And, um, <laughs> so people can, can use the, they, they go and use the show. bathroom. And when they sit down, there's this just bright led screen on the back of the, uh, the door and it's shining in their face, advertising about the food that they have. <laughs> and then also it's filming them so that they could get the reaction. <laughs> and then as they come out of the stall, Nathan's standing there with a clipboard and says, uh, are you comfortable if we use your reaction? And they're like, you were filming me while I went to the bathroom. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny, but yeah, I would love to just like, I'd love to catch someone in the act and go, excuse me, why are you peeing on the side of the toilet? <laughs> well, I meant more like we have like a sit down confrontational interview, 60 minutes style. But we could also like, yeah, scare people in the bathroom if that's what you want to do. And you can have like um, you can have like an action replay on the back screen and it's like a 3D animated person peeing into a toilet bowl. And this is this is what you did. And he's like aiming at the side of the wall and like just turning it's around gotta be doing like flips. Power, and then right? this is what you should do. And it's just a man gingerly sitting down on the toilet. And you have to make sure it's as graphic as possible just to let them know this is what you look like. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. I don't know. I think I maybe it is a power thing where like I feel I feel strong when I pee on the side of the toilet and let it sit there. Well, just like someone fact, else has to clean. Yeah. That. It's like someone else. Is, it's like not your responsibility. So you feel like, yeah, like I don't have to clean this, you know, or whatever. Or this is weird. Or maybe there's people or just maybe there's people who don't use the bathroom because they're so gross. They don't use the bathroom at home. 
you know maybe they're just like i can't do this in my own home this is disgusting i have to so they, find so they have a movie to leave theater. the house to go oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah yeah i will say that uh at the theater I went to there was another set of bathrooms like in an area like because they like places are trying to like section off parts of their establishments because the pandemic or whatever yeah. so i went to like a bathroom in, near theaters they weren't using and not only were they super clean there's one that was like it was like a handicap stall that had its own like sink and mirror it was like a mm, mini bathroom inside royalty. a bathroom and it was royalty. like and the soap worked and everything i was like wow like it's like i felt like i found like a hidden area in a video game yeah it's the high life yeah we we will walk the long distance to go to the, to the bathrooms that are not near the theater that just exited because it's you're going to stand in line it's going to smell you're going to have that one guy that's talking to all of his friends peeing yeah and it's just like i just i can't be around this what you this think is, of the movie you know yeah <laughs> just like wait till the parking lot we have a civilization it's just really bad it's bad so shang chi though was kind of decent i guess we should start talking about it um i feel like i i should introduce some movies every now and then so i guess i'll go ahead and (laughs) introduce this one yeah so we've been kind of waiting to see more marvel movies that are i guess just different from the usual bread and butter of just to get just to get to the prime of it just stereotypical white guy with powers doing things and so it's kind of nice to have like almost a movie where every single actor is not european um i think i think that's fairly accurate except for one character which we will talk about later because regarding spoilers but yeah just being able to see a cast of i believe everyone who was cast was chinese is that could you fill that in for me or were were there some <laughs> yeah I, my, to my best of my understanding it was a mostly chinese cast the the media yeah, the main mixture is that you had some people are like native to china like uh the guy who plays the mandarin is like a super well-respected Hong Kong actor. So he's in tons, he's in tons of stuff in China. And then you have some people like Simu Liu and Aquafina who are, you know, they're Chinese by descent, but they're, you know, born and raised in the United States. Aquafina mm-hmm. got right. to start making like rap videos on YouTube <laughs> in New York, for example. But yeah, right. everyone is, yeah, 99.9% of the cast is Chinese. Yeah. Which is really great. And I think that it's, it's great to mention. I mean, it's not plot related to mention something. So like when I'm talking meta textual about like, it's a movie that's not just a bunch of white dudes. Um, but it's nice to have Disney kind of move beyond that and to trust that like, yes, we are not all horrible people who will only see movies that Ike promoter kind of felt like people would do, which is only white guys, no women, no Asians, no black people. Cause he was very problematic. Um, so I just I just wanted to get that there because I think that's really important. Um, but as for the movie itself, Shang Chi, whose name, whose English name, the name he gives himself is Sean, is sort of just living in. I don't know. I guess it was New York City or was it San Francisco? Um, I feel like it looked like San Francisco because there was a windy road that looks pretty prime. But it doesn't matter. It's um, cookie cutter uh, American City number twelve. And uh, he's he's a valet with his friend who's Aquafina. And at some point, very early, actually, in the movie, they're on a bus ride. And it's the scene from the trailer you'll recognize where he's fighting on a bus, which was, I'll just say right out the bat, uh, was my favorite scene in terms of fight scenes in the movie. Because you could see things. It felt like it was calling back to other good um, martial arts uh, or fighting hand-to-hand combat scenes. It even There was a tracking shot. Uh, that reminded me of a, of a of a great fight scene in Old Boy. Um, so that was great. 
as they're fighting, there's this mention of, uh, give us this pendant, give us this pendant. And so begins the uh, complicating incident of he and his sister have these pendants that their mother gave to them that basically says, um, if you use the, remember, if you have this, you always have a fight, you have a place to come home. And it's a pretty significant reminder because in terms of their history uh, and lineage, um, Shang-Chi's father is the leader of the Ten Rings, which is a big kind of gang. I would guess you could call it like a, an international gang because <laughs> it's not. Yeah, they pretty much set the scene that like, yeah, the Ten Rings, this is a massive thing that has influenced culture for like ever. I did find it annoying that like they're showing that over time and then they start telling us like it's 1995 and present day, even though they were so artfully showing us that it was different time periods without having to have text show up on the screen. You might as well just make a comic sans um, if you're just going to consider me not that smart enough to figure it out. Um, and alongside this international gang is his dad carries these 10 rings and they are these awesome, awesome, powerful weapons that give you, uh, eternal life. And so his character has basically lived forever. They kind of imply, they say a thousand years, they imply like 10 lifetimes. And, uh, his dad is trying to get these pendants for a particular thing. Simultaneously, Shang-Chi and his sister's mom was a, uh, kind of like a guardian for a special land called Talo. And his father desperately wanted to conquer this land until he fell in love with the guardian, this woman, and the two uh, had Shang-Chi and his sister. I guess like, to get further kind of gets into uh, both major and minor spoilers, um, because the whole premise is is kind of built on his father wanting to get back to Talo, wherever this home is, and then Shang-Chi c- confronting his past as um, his mother and father are two wildly different figures who uh, you can kind of argue are good and bad and um, him wanting to be his own person, but also having to reconcile a lot of other stuff alongside that in terms of not just subplot, but sub theming, there's a lot of family discussion. There's a lot of um, learning one's lineage and who you are in the midst of all of that, which I really enjoy because that um, yeah, the movie has some good Eastern um, philosophy, not in the sense of, uh, not like uh, triggering the Christians who are listening in terms of dangerous philosophy, but more in the sense of worldview of how you see um, who you are in terms of your own family. And that plays into a lot of the story. Uh, and then also just in terms of other cool stuff that I like that's in more Eastern stories. There's a lot of training in this movie, which is a big thing. One of the, my favorite things in Dragon Ball is that there's so many sequences of training and characters having to get stronger as opposed to the more Western ideal of just you were born with greatness, which I think is very tiresome. Um, it's nice to see people become stronger and become better and come be confronted with things that they don't know. So Shang-Chi having to do training in particular sections, he's very gifted, but to know that he had to train before then, and then later on in the movie has to train more is all stuff I really like. Um, but that's sort of like both the introduction to the movie and a bit of a cookie cutter, uh, kind of like example of my experience with the movie before we go ahead and hear dan's thoughts uh here is your friendly neighborhood call to action hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right i'm just stopping by to say you know if you enjoy the show you can always subscribe and write a review for cinematic doctrine there's itunes pod chaser basically anywhere you listen 
You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as low as $3 a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like The Pre-Show, which features free-form and Christian-friendly discussions on all kinds of topics, as well as influence the podcast. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Previous movies our lovely Patreon supporters have chosen are To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Hamilton, Onward, and American Gospel Christ Alone. Huh, you guys have good taste. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. Uh, so, Dan, yeah, what what did you think of Shang-Chi? Uh, how was your, ex- I mean, it sounds like your theater experience was better, so I'm sure your <laughs> enjoyment of the movie was at least marginally better too, uh, than Black Widow. Yeah, man, I don't know if it's just because the big Marvel movie saw for this is Black Widow, which felt formless and shapeless and oh man completely lacking in any sort of identity this but. movie i kept thinking back to black widow and i was like ah like it just i almost wonder if shang chi is not going to make as much money because people are like man black widow was such a letdown why would i go see <laughs> Maybe Shang-Chi? Marvel's done, like, you know yeah this was because this was yeah go, anyways go ahead go ahead <laughs> so to start with this is very much my jam not just because it's filled with asian people but because I as I've I have made no I've I've made made it no secret on the show that I'm a huge fan of martial arts and action movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the first things I saw that made me excited about the movie way back, if you remember when we talked about this, I believe on a trailer talk, or if we just did it in a related discussion. I don't know if we actually covered it on trailer talk, but we definitely talked about it. We've because we've talked about how the trailer didn't look very good. That's about it. Yeah, and I'm sure there's many other comic book movies where Shang Chi just came up at some point, but the fact that David Callahan was one of the writers who is a writer on things like the expendables uh, kind of made me a little excited, not because expendables is a great movie or anything, but because I was like, yeah, they're getting the fact that an action movie writer on there. And then the fact they got like a really good director, the guy who directed this, his name's like David something, something Cretton. Yeah, yeah. Destin Daniel Cretton. Yes. Who directed yeah. things like just mercy. So he has a good pedigree as far as just like dramatic like In drama. drama. Yeah. Um, so I was like pretty excited. And so the the opening action to this movie immediately sold me on the entire thing. And for the record, I'm not a huge fan of like a wire foo style martial arts. I think when done really well, like it's something like Crouching Tiger, I can gel with it. But I generally speaking, don't like define wire foo where it's like people are kind of half floating and flying around the screen. So it's okay. like it's a very stylized version. Oh, of martial arts. I get you it. Know? I understand. Like they're hanging on wires. Yes. So, <laughs> I don't, so derisively, people call it wire foo. But in this case, like the the opening action scene is genuinely very beautiful, not just because it's stylized in a way that I find very appealing. Is this when 
his dad is fighting his that, future like, wife. kingdom. Oh, his future wife. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like that seemed like really sold me on the entire concept of the movie because not that's just because, oh yeah, this is martial arts as it exists in like a fantasy Marvel world. So it yeah. makes sense that their version of martial arts would be kind of like superhero. Flying. Yeah. Uh, but because it's like a generally good form of storytelling where like uh, the Mandarin is utilizing a closed fist traditional uh, Kung Fu style while the woman is using a more open-handed palmed defensive counter-striking style. It's more reminiscent of Chai Chi, like that kind of like ingrained storytelling throughout the movie where as the characters learn martial arts, it sort of reflects where they are as characters, that kind of thing really right. sells me. And so like, yeah, the, the action choreography was great. I thought like the way it utilized like the mythology of Shang-Chi, who's not a very interesting character in my opinion. Um, I thought the movie overall was, really solid you know it's like it's not going to blow you away in terms of, it's not going to change your life but the my, my thought throughout the whole movie is with just a few slight edits this could just be have been released in the late 80s early 90s as an action movie like it doesn't oh, totally it does not yep. like heavily rely on marvel mythology necessarily uh the times it does i think makes it fun where like this early conversation where in the typical LI movies have this thing where it's like, what are you going to do something with your life? But one character points out, we live in a world where at any given moment, half the population could just cease to exist. What are you doing with your life? And I was like, oh, yeah. that's kind of interesting. You know, it, being a 30 year old slacker who just works as a valet kind of is more depressing in a world where life could end at any moment. What have you done with your life? Yeah, especially I th- I think even uh, that that line I thought was interesting because it sounded more like this the narrative was grounding itself to reality, even though that particular concept is so not unreal. real. <laughs> because I was just thinking of like when you think of our generation dealing with stuff like climate change and misinformation and Ida literally being significantly worse than anyone ever expected. It's like we're living in a world where things can just <laughs> be terrible within seconds. What are you doing? Just being a valet all the time, going to karaoke. I kind of it, it it gave me Falcon vibes where Falcon Winter Soldier where like it felt like it was going to be a bit more grounded and even my wife said she felt the first thirty minutes of the movie felt like a Raimi Spider Man early two thousands yeah. film where it's just sort of people and your lead character <laughs> is more than human but um, even though he really is just a human um, but he's more than human. But just living in normal life. And I was actually on board for that, which is part of why I love the Bice fight scene so much, because it was the most grounded, even though it's this <laughs> not grounded sequence. Yeah, it's it's not even. Yeah, it's not even more fantastical. The bus fight scene is not even more fantastical than anything I've seen in some direct-to-video action movies. You know, it's like, just a little more marvel version of the bus fight scene in Nobody. Yeah, the, yeah. there's a guy with a, with a blade for an arm. That's the only kind of like weird thing, (laughs) you know, but like I've seen things in some like more Hong Kong style action movies or even like some of the John Woo's films that feel more unrealistic. Some of the fight scenes in this movie, you know, and like, yeah, the first 30 minutes, this is a movie like it's characters. You're being introduced to them. They have Mm -hmm. they have motivations. They have baggage. And yeah, outside of that one bit of dialogue about half the universe uh, disappearing and then <laughs> yeah. later when there's like abomination and wong or just in the movie like even then like it, in some people forget this in older movies where like people didn't feel the need to explain everything all the time that that this is these are just weird characters in the background of a fantasy fantasy film like if you if you right. watch a direct video yeah. fantasy film there would just be weird characters pop up and a more modern example like mad max Fury road 
where they're just like driving across the landscape and there's just people on stilts for no reason. And they're never explained. And you're never told why there's stilt people in the desert. Like that's that kind of thing. Like this could just be a movie, you know, with, and that just happens to have one particular character show up for a previous film, but yeah, you know, and it's, and it sounds weird to compliment a movie for that, but yeah, like this isn't, this isn't bogged down in continuity. This isn't that you don't need to watch 50 other movies to understand what's going on here. It, this is a really solid action film about a guy who has a really bad dad and he has to go stop his bad dad. <laughs> and it's great because then, and then occasionally something really fantastical and weird happens that gives the movie more distinct flavor. So this is like, if we're just going to quickly give our thoughts on it, like this is, I know I like martial arts. I like fighting. I like fun characters who are really mm. relatable and charming. And this movie had all those things. It's a good, it's it's when we talk about like a good popcorn flick, this is exactly what they're talking about. Yes. And there is some other things they do that I really enjoyed, which I think we'll probably get into when we get into more spoiler talk that I think d- the movie deserves tons of credit for doing, which maybe perhaps a lesser or more controlled studio film might have not done. So, um, but yeah, I give it, I give it seven iron fists out of 10 Mandarin rings. rings. I yeah. think that works. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoy martial arts as like a form of storytelling and not just as like people punching each other. I think that's like a so, so I've been pining to Dan. We got to we got to talk about Karate Kid. We got to talk about Karate Kid. <laughs> and part of it is just because uh I rewatched it and it was a good time, but also cuz I just like I like using martial arts as more than just you're just becoming strong to punch things. I like the idea of it's being like it's taming the body, it's discipline, it's integrity, it's control, it's understanding. Like even in um, uh, just thinking of yeah, I brought up Dragon Ball, so I'll bring up those both of those things. Um, when Goku's dead, and of course isn't dead long, but is dead, and he's training with um, I forget the character's name, but he's on the planet that's like, it's like ten times, uh, the gravity's ten times stronger, and his training mm. is just go catch the monkey. <laughs> and it's just like, that's it. Or even in Karate Kid, it's clean my cars, um, but clean it in this particular like motion. Ro- Rocky chasing the chicken, yeah. Yeah, all of that stuff. I like the connectivity of when you're completing one task it's always connected to other things and that's just natural in life but learning in that way and how by training the body you're not just disciplining your body to be stronger you're also disciplining your mind to be focused um something even at when i'm at the gym working out is i can't even listen to music when i'm doing certain exercises because it distracts me from my ability to focus and push beyond what my body is saying (laughs) you know don't do so i just love that in martial arts so i like that in this they're they're using like you said martial arts as a motif of characters changing and developing because it's just really cool (laughs) it's it's uh to call back on a much much older episode that i don't remember that we did where we were talking about how uh uh old rich white women are in love with stones giving them powers like an art RPG. It is so much cooler that in the 80s, uh, martial arts was what was idolized because at least it's neater to watch than just people saying, look at my rock collection. That made this movie like way more enjoyable was the training and yeah, kind of using martial arts as a form of uh, transition and and uh, change throughout characters. I do wish, and my wife also agrees, that the martial arts was taking place more on sets than green screens. Yes. Um, yes. I think every phase of Marvel has something we complain about, I think, except for phase one. Although 
we can now go back and complain about things like Black Widow being three different characters and not being treated well as a woman. But like uh, this phase, I feel like the criticism that we're going to continue, we're going to start seeing is people saying, can you use real sets, please? And can you, cause like, I think I allegedly saw- Eternals, the big thing with Eternals is that it's going to be mostly real sets and everything. So, and like locations, Maybe. cause that would be really nice. Fingers crossed. Um, cause like the opening scene of like the Mandarin attacking that like Roman city or whatever, it's blood gulch from halo one where it's just like in you remember like in like uh red versus blue the the first episode yeah. why do we have a why do we have a fortress here well because they have a fortress there yeah but like what are they protecting they're not protecting anything they have a fortress there because we have a fortress here well why then why do we have fortresses here there's nothing here well there's a fortress here so that's why it's, we need a fortress here. A, yeah <laughs> the, the castle's there so they can establish that they that's their spot there's nothing particularly <laughs> in, yeah it's literally blood gulch just go rush for that rocket and you'll be fine like that's that's all mandarin yeah, it, did it, it feels like mandarin just wandered around until he saw a castle that he could yeah, conquer it's like you know? ah, i want that one yeah. <laughs> it's like there's just people here this is nothing um or like yeah just so much was this this was a prime movie to have like actual locations and look if disney is going to be pining for the chinese dollar just go and shoot there i know that they did that with mulan and it lit them on fire because they were shooting near a bunch of concentration camps but like come on pick some locations it's just tiresome and i i think that's going to be something that people criticize because yeah they're introducing mandarin and like there there's people behind him in our suits of armor and then mandarin's introduced and i'm like He's green screened in front of another group of people who are being green screened. And it's just, it just isn't good. Yeah. I don't know if that's because of the pandemic or something. We could probably go look and see when they're filming. We can, you can see how Disney's been really enjoying how it's cheaper to do a lot of this. I mean, it, it works in Mandalorian, but that's because most of the time Mandalorian has like sets set up around their dome that they use. I forget what it's called. And then the background is that way. Mandalorian also tends to like explore big empty planets on his own. So it works for the vibe they're going for versus someone like this where he's supposed to be like one art. He's supposed to be Alexander the Great or Attila the Hun. And he's supposed to be like, he's supposed to be like the Battle of Helm's Deep, not, you know, not somebody like CGI versus blue, you know? Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's and bad, so yeah. uh, it's not good. Um, and uh, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to do that on so many different sets. Uh, it'd just be nice if, I mean, they're going to be using these look, some of these locations several times. Why not have real sets? Like the best looking scene in the movie is when you get a flashback to like Mando- Mandarin taking his son to go kill some dudes, uh, like in a bar or something. Yeah, because like a it's real a place. real <laughs> place. <laughs> it's like a real place with real color, with real paint, and like real actors in a real room. And then that brings me to my second criticism that I have with basically this phase, and it's that we just keep getting like characters are are what did what did I say to my wife? And I was like, that's a, such a good phrase. It was um bloodless death. Um, people are getting bloodless death all the time. And I don't know if you can use like 10 rings to crush somebody's skull, like out of just horrible murder. There's gotta be something that just says this person died and not like, I don't know, like 
you you see it in the trailer where basically he he shoots his ten rings into someone's face. Like you're like that's that dude's face is gonna look like the elevator scene in Drive. Come <laughs> on, like um, you gotta give us something. Like at least bring the rings back up and they're bloody or something. Because like I just. It's especially noticeable uh, after watching like Suicide Squad where like people get violently murdered and it's very graphic. And, or even just Falcon you know, and Winter Soldier in the shows. But like Falcon and Winter Soldier uses it for one scene where like a faux Captain America effectively decapitates somebody. And yes, you get to see that like the splatter, the, the all blood over the splatter on the shield adds to it. And like there is ways to do it. And I was even thinking back to just Aquaman and how like there's no real blood in the movie except like when per certain characters are getting cut there's the red mist and it just adds more weight to yes. what's happening and it's much more engaging to me in terms of like i'm not asking directors to make traumatic violent scenes i don't need that like you can do that in another movie um and but like i don't know it just i i think those are going to be the two things that as we're moving forward is um, people are going to be like, we need real locations and you got to <laughs> stop giving us bloodless deaths because it's just not, it's just not working. People want their movies to feel like they're watching a real thing happening. Sometimes. The, this, <laughs> yeah, to an extent, like obviously like if you right. give me something fantastical, you can get away with a lot. But like the first 30 minutes of this movie just takes place in San Francisco. This is a real grounded world. with like real people. Right. And the, one of the big strengths of the film is that the stakes are, are kind of lower in a sense. Like there are, there are implications of something bigger happening, but like the stakes are that it's affecting a relatively small group of people. But like it does take away from the gravity of that. Yeah. When like someone dies and it just looks like it looks like a theater production. It looks like where they just took some over. aspirin and fell asleep. Yeah. Like, it's it's just, come on. Which for the most part is okay <laughs> when she's punching and kicking. But yeah, when someone's using like a super magic weapon that theoretically he could use to fight like dragons and aliens with. It's weird when he hits like one dude who's just like a 50 year old guy drinking in a bar basically. And he's just like, he just looks like he just pushed him over. It is kind of weird. It's annoying. It's, it's it very is, annoying. It takes you out of it. It reminds you you're watching a movie, which is my main thing. Like I don't, yeah, I don't want, yeah. I don't want him to pull his spine out like a moral combat, like fatality. I mean, that'd be kind of awesome, but like at the same time, yeah, like, like predator. The, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but like <laughs> he if, uses the rings to wrap them around his spine and then just pulls the rings out. Yeah. Like he's some <laughs> sort of like a bloodbender from avatar or something. He's so you know? sick. Yeah. But yeah, like the minute you're reminded, Oh, this is a fake. I'm watching a fake movie with, these are actors playing characters that you don't want that. And that's the benefit of doing at least a little. Um, like Kat even said um, in that particular scene when he like uses the rings to crush the dude's head and there's like tiny little Shang-Chi, six-year-old Shang-Chi. Kat's like, if there was a more artistic vision behind it, you would have probably like when he says the line like blood, blood death for blood death, blood or yeah, whatever. Um, you would probably see like the blood pooling at, at his this little kid's shoes or something. And then you see you know mandarin shoes come in they're these bigger shoes and it's just like you're getting this vision of like drawing your family into you um into your sins into your violent past and like this movie just sort of yeah we were driving home and i was like yeah i enjoyed it except for just sort of like that typical marvel air that's around it it wasn't that strong because like you said this movie feels pretty good like it could have released in the 80s because it's got like that that love for martial arts going on and it's got the fun stuff. That's just like, I don't know. It's just, if it's fun, but then yeah, it, it has all this, like, like the ending kind of felt frustrating 
And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, 40 minutes in, we can we can open up them spoilers <laughs> and stuff. Um, but like the ending fight scene with this giant, massive dragon thing, this eldritch creature, like uh, when it's introduced, when it comes barreling through the mountain, it's like silent and you're just hearing this this nightmarish creature and this dragon fight each other. And I'm like, whoa, this is like really intense. Like I'm feeling, I'm having the shuddering experience in my body right now where I'm like, this is this giant thing that, that there's no way you can stop it. And your last hope is this dragon. And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, they're going to commit to like this dreadful feeling. They're going to just play the audio. Shang-Chi's going to look and see that the thing's going to the town and it's going to be scary because it's like, this is the worst thing in the world that's about to happen. And then it starts playing like hero music uh, that's like building up the action. And I was like, man, like you just pulled me right out of it. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just the typical Marvel thing. Like you can't have a bloodless, you can't have a bloody death of any kind. So you're going to just pull out of the, the character. You're going to introduce a bit too much comedy. Like when he's talking about his past and then like on the airplane, some woman asks, like he's literally talking about like my dad trained me. And basically like if it was, if I was able to call child services, I have good reasons to get picked up because of what my dad's putting me through in terms of training. And then right when he's about to get to the climax of his history, this dreadful history, you have this joke about there not being food on an airplane. So you're just going to have to eat the beef. Like, are we just going to play that meme where it's the little kid going, I smell like beef or something from TikTok? Like, this is ridiculous. I just, I just, I just don't want that. You know, like this movie's doing well and it's just pulling itself down. Because I, I was in it. I'm like getting real emotional because I just let movies do that to me. Where like, I'm like, if this movie pushes it, I'm going to start crying, man. And it just kind of gets in its its own way. It's like every single movie is like uh, every single one of these movies when they're starting to do well. It's like someone went over and just like the like Kevin Feige's like, you know, it'd be really funny. Let me tie their shoes together <laughs> and then tell them to go do a fight scene or something. I just don't get it. So, yeah. So to set the table, um, we talk about the first 30 minutes being strong. So you get like this backstory of the character and you see that the Mandarin has two children. And then we fast forward and one of them is not living up to his potential as all great action heroes begin. Yes. Yes. So he's hanging out with Aquafina and they're, they're in their own, they're nearing 30 and they haven't done anything with their lives. So I deeply related to these characters and <laughs> they're hanging out and 30. It turns out. And it, what I, I'm turning 30. First thing I like is that they don't <laughs> beat around the bush for a long time. Like literally the movie just starts. Yeah. It's like 10 minutes. Characters just start attacking. Yeah. You're like, wait, those are the scenes from the trailer. We already doing it. (laughs) Which is, it's a nice, it's a nice, you know, there isn't a whole thing where like he gets flashbacks because he's amnesia. He doesn't remember that he has this grand decades ahead (laughs) of him, you know, a wizard doesn't show up and hand him a MacGuffin to tell him that he's got stuff to do. The movie just starts. Yeah. And it's actually the only time the comedy I felt landed is like they're fighting on a bus within 10 minutes and a dude's like he's streaming yeah, it's and it's like, like hey this actually kind of works like it's, it's just like i actually laughed a lot of he's in, yeah i did yeah that was very funny and i isn't he in some of the other marvel movies i feel like he, he was, plays a street vendor in spider-man homecoming he's got the yells do a flip at spider-man 
And in this movie, he's just a guy in a bus filming the fight on his phone. So he's in New York and then he's in San Francisco. I don't think it's the same character. I think they just like that guy. He moved away from New York because it's like, oh my gosh, there's always a villain destroying things. I got to get out of here. And then it's just different. It's just there's there's ninjas and and assassins on the bus in San Francisco. Yeah. Anytime someone's like, man, I wish I lived in the Marvel world. I'm like, no, you don't, dude. No, you don't. It's a nightmare world. There's always those posts that it's like, um, whichever month your birthday's in, that's the world. Would you want to go to the bottom? Hogwarts or people are, Earth, yeah, you know? people are on the bottom, like, ah oh, man, I wanted to be in the world with Naruto. It's like you do not want to be in a world where someone could like sand cocoon you and yeah. cute, kill you. Like <laughs> it's the worst, man. I don't know how people are alive in those worlds anymore. This is like. How do you have a running population? This of world we live in right million? now seems pretty dangerous. I don't want to raise the stakes. <laughs> How are we at eight trillion people right now? What is it uh, on the whole Earth population? I can't. It's, I it's in the billions, I believe, not trillions. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. This, this didn't expect to get this pop quiz today, but <laughs> <laughs> nobody expects anything. So yeah, so it just starts. You know, like. Aquafina is just like, what's going on? And Shang Chi's like, "Ah, (laughs) I gotta go. And so they just go. And thing number two, they do that I like. So they go to the the place where they have underground fights. One of them is one of the Black Widows from Black Widow who's fighting somebody in a cage. I didn't even catch that. that. Yeah. And then like Abomination and uh, and looks like a fish person now. Yeah. He looks more and more like the comic book Abomination. Uh, Okay. Is it just a reskin, do you think, then? Kind of like how Thanos just gets like more purple. Upgraded. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of yeah, it's kind of or or they could do a thing where like his body's just like evolving. That's what they do with Killer Croc. Or Arkham they're games. gonna do that thing where it's like, you want to know why C three PO's arm is red? Buy this comic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want to know why why Tim Roth looks like a fish person? Check out this Lovecraft crossover we have. In the yeah, watch session. our yeah. watch our uh, Disney Plus limited series Smith. three episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And apparently they brought Tim Roth in just to do vocal work on the Abomination. Even though, like, yeah, <laughs> that's an actor, baby. And yeah. it's implied that they do like a pro wrestling thing where they kind of like choreograph their fights afterwards. Yeah, like I stuff that like that's really cool. Yeah, it's like that's like fun window dressing. And then his sister's there, and he thought she she sent him a postcard, and he didn't. And both their pendants get stolen right away. And I was like, thank God, because initially yeah. it was like the pendants. I was like, please oh, don't do a MacGuffin. Yeah, they need to find the three whatchamacallits to go to three different locations where they can have action scenes. No, nope. that's what I thought it was Done. based on the title. That's what I thought. Like, oh, like they're going to find the, the rings, the 10 rings. And I was like, how do they do that? In 90 minutes. That sounds horrible. <laughs> See, yeah, one <laughs> ring like every 10 minutes. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they just don't. And then they just it's one. Of, it's like we, one of the criticisms we have is always like and then it becomes a Marvel movie. This was like the inverse. You yes. kind of get the premise of a Marvel movie, and it just stops doing that, and just becomes like Black a Panther, normal movie. Yeah, Black Panther does that. The first thirty minutes are like a Marvel movie, and then, and then it's a uh, basically like a dissertation on why uh, Warmonger is probably right. <laughs> the rest of the movie, it's great. Everyone's favorite villain, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kill, yeah, Killmonger is or it, Killmonger. Yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Makes a lot of sense, and yeah, it becomes kind of this interesting. It then it becomes a weird family drama. And then it becomes a weird, like, fantasy film. So what I like yeah, about... I wish it stayed more family drama. Yes, because the family drama is so strong. Because, like, turns out the Mandarin stopped being a bad guy because he fell in love with the yeah, woman. He settled that's down. Yeah, so great. Yeah, he takes off the Ten Rings. He's a family man. And then his past catches up to him and gets his wife killed. And uh, that's why he becomes Mandarin again is because he's, like, filled with anger and he yeah. resentment. 
And there's there's a there's an underlying story that really connected with me, which is like there's just it's not talked about a lot, but it's there, this element of like this like Asian heritage thing where they've moved they've moved to America, yes. they've done something else. But I love like, that. Their past is still there and they're sort of wrestling with who they are in light of that. And for me, that landed. Like I really connected with that, probably more so than some people sitting in the audience did. And I really like that stuff. And so there's, a th- and then to add an extra layer on top of this kind of compelling story is he, he thinks he hears the voice of his wife calling to him and it's in her home vi- village where she's from. And initially they wouldn't let Mandarin come and live with them because, you know, he's the Mandarin and he's a bad guy. So they don't want that guy in their neighborhood, which you know understandable. And so he wants to go to Ta, Ta- Lo to rescue his wife. And so it's up to the, his children to stop him from doing that where the movie kind of dovetails into a weird fantasy film, which I also like uh, not, it's not as strong as a family drama stuff. And here's where we, it works. It, here, it definitely it works. works. Yeah. And here's where we get the other thing in the movie that I thought was great because it's one of the best uses of continuity in my opinion, which is, uh, do you remember when, when Iron Man three came out, Melvin? Do you remember Iron Man three's release at all? Yes, I do. And I remember a lot of people not liking it for a particular thing that I didn't really mind. Uh, yes. So, Iron Man 3 is interesting because it it's the first one to come out after the first Avengers movie. The Avengers movie. Yes. We missed sometimes. What we, a high. What a high <laughs> that was. It was it was wonderful. It's one of the best Hollywood, uh, mainstream Hollywood blockbusters in a long time. Everyone saw it. Everyone I knew saw it more than once. And so everyone's been pumped about the future of Marvel because now they're really into they're just like, yes, Marvel, the Marvel high. And so Iron Man 3 comes out. And Iron Man 3, they hired Shane Black, who's a filmmaker I really like to write and direct it. Uh, particularly partially because Robert Downey Jr. wanted to work with him again after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is I like that movie a lot. And a lot of the marketing revolved around Ben Kingsley's The Mandarin. Ben Kingsley's Mandarin. And I don't know, and the, the, my friends were talking about it. There was reports from set where people gave Ben Kingsley a standing ovation after his performance. Some people were like, oh, is this the next great villain performance? And the movie comes out and Ben Kingsley is not The Mandarin. He's an actor named Trevor right. Slattery who is pretending to be this uh, boogeyman the scare white people. And I liked it. I thought that was a great twist. I, I thought, I thought it played well in the politics of the time. I thought it was a clever yeah. version. Yeah. Of course, comic book fans hated it because it wasn't the Mandarin. And for those who don't know, and the Mandarin in the comics, kind of racist. He is a kind of a racist character and he's, he like his character is racist or the concept of the character is racist. He's, he's a very, or is it both? He's very scary Asian guy. And so, also, Shang-Chi's uh, father in the comics is also Fu Manchu, like literally the character Fu Manchu. Marvel licensed the rights to that uh, also racist character. And so the Mandarin in the comics has kind of become an amalgam of these two things, where he's the traditional Mandarin, he's kind of a mixture of Fu Manchu. Um, and it's it gets a little muddy. My, my knowledge in this area isn't super strong. And so in the in this movie, they just mix the two together and make basically kind of a new. So the Mandarin in this movie is also not like the Mandarin in the comics. He shares a lot of similarities where he's, you know, he, they, they mix the Fu Manchu thing where he's Shang-Chi's dad. And he's also leader of an of a international uh, terrorist cartel called the Ten Rings, that sort of thing. Um, mix all that stuff together. Anyway. So I was I was I was totally fine with him inverting that to make it where yeah. he's literally like a mascot. But fans hated it, and so they made a short called "All Hail the King." All hail the king, where they reveal that the real the real Mandarin is out there, and so Trevor Slattery gets kidnapped, and that happened years ago, and so suddenly he's back. The kids get put in prison because they don't want to work with their dad to destroy a village, 
And there's Trevor Slattery again. They've been keeping him as like a court jester character. And he's kind of gone even more mad than he was previously. He's hanging out with a weird faceless creature. Uh, that's one of the mythical creatures that comes from Talo. And he's in the movie. Like he's just a character from this point on. And I yeah. was so pleasantly surprised where I thought they were going to kill him off or something. Or it'd be like a one scene <laughs> cameo. Nope. Just like I want to kill off D'Angelo. Just have him show up just to die in the first like the first time he's back. <laughs> I I was glad that he kind of stuck around. <laughs> and I I didn't quite like that he was just comedy for comedy's sake cuz I don't know. I don't I don't always find Marvel comedy very funny. I did find it's very it, broad. It's very broad. Yeah, it's sort of like it I don't like this phrase, but it's sort of lowest common denominator. You got to hit everybody. And then, yeah, he's just there. After that, we're done. This character's alive. It's yeah, it's nice because he's on screen just long enough where the where the novelty is fully utilized, and then they push him to the side where he belongs, or occasionally just remind you he's still in the movie, but he doesn't really do anything, which is totally fine. The last scene he's in is basically playing dead, yes. and then you don't see him <laughs> for the rest of the movie. I, it would have been nice to see him show up at the karaoke at the end. <laughs> Like they're singing with Wong and then wide shot. It shows him in the corner just singing. Yeah. He's, he's still got the, he's still got the the face screen. The little him. thing. Yeah. And I, I like, it's one of those things is like we talked about previously in an episode about like the fun of continuity and, and shared crossovers and stuff. I like the idea that this guy, he's introduced in Iron Man three and everyone, all the fans hate him, but they keep him around. And canonically, he's just living in a mystical village that protects a portal to hell. And he's yeah. just hanging out there. I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> what a character arc, you know, what a world that these people live in. And yeah. so we get to the we get to the village and Michelle Yao is there and she's great. And then this is where you get the training montage stuff where they teach Aquafina how to shoot a bow and arrow. Yeah. And he learns his mother's Love style of training arts. And yeah. then you yeah, it does become kind of, kind of a big schmaz at the end where they just fight a bunch of creatures. Demons. I really like that the the ten the the ten rings and the villagers team up. I think that's nice. That was cute. And, yeah, and we haven't really talked about the Ten Rings themselves as a powerful item. Super as what thing. another new faction in the franchise? Like we well, were complaining I mean, I mean, like about the, literal, the end of Black Widow, <laughs> the literal Ten Rings, the literal Ten Rings that the Mandarin uses as like a power thing. What I'll say is that when the movie ends, my wife, um, as the credits are rolling, my wife goes, "It's going to be cool to figure out where those are from because like these Ten Rings just yeah. existed." And then the first stinger is. Wong going, hmm, where did these come from? <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, hey my wife. Yay, she called it. <laughs> yeah, because in the comics, they come from like uh, Fing Fing Foom, which is from a, a race of aliens that conveniently look like dragons. Um, they, they're cool. the ones that bring the rings to Earth. So we're not sure if they're going to utilize that as the as the origin. They'll probably have it be in Eternals. It's probably leading Maybe. into like, I'm assuming that something, it'll be Eternals will probably be like the rings are made different nations have them. And then one guy wants to collect them and it turns out it's our guy, uh, the Mandarin or something. I don't know. It'll be kind of neat. Also, did I see in the Eternals trailer Wong? It looks like Wong's in there. It'd be fun if Wong just becomes the guy who's in stuff because he literally just can portal anywhere he wants. So but like, becomes... it, it would make sense too if he was in it, the Eternals because isn't the whole thing that there are a bunch of like deities, well, aliens, but like... Um, and then they forget who they <sighs> the, are. The Eternals are such a weird. First off, they're not popular characters. They're they not keep yeah. trying to make them a thing. I've I've read some Goodreads reviews for both the Kirby initial 
uh, rendition where people are at least just saying, at least the art's cool. And yes. then the Gaiman uh, rewrite where people are like, this is very poorly written <laughs> and not very good. Although the stills look kind of neat. It's yeah, they're kind of their race of creatures created by the celestials. Right. And then they just live on earth and they're there because there's a creature. There's, there's one of them that lives in the center of the earth, kind of like Gaia. It's like literally Gaia, the earth goddess. And, they can't interfere until the right time or some such thing. It's just like, I don't know. It's very confusing and I don't find it particularly interesting. So I don't really pay attention to anything they've done. Well, it's not interesting to introduce characters that are stupidly strong. Ergo Captain Marvel. Like it, it's kind of just like boring. Like I was already thinking to myself, like uh, just being reminded that she's in the franchise and this is not like flashbacks to, Oh, don't like Captain Marvel. I guess you're like a misogynist or something, but like they, literally make a joke about how she's like oh i gotta go and then <laughs> disappears and it's just more like eye rolly in i to me. i liked i really liked this post credit scene if you're just gonna jump to that i like the post credit i like it a lot i did not like i just don't i just her screen presence draws brings things down for me i thought she was like i was not a fan of the catch and movie i thought this was the most charming like in She's been because she showed like personality. Like my big issue with Captain Marvel at this point is that There's no personality. Yeah, which is weird because Brie Larson is not a non-charismatic actor. Like she's very likable yeah. and like interesting and in all everything else she's ever been in. It was very weird that she was so bland in Captain Marvel. Yeah, I don't know why she was directed that way in that movie. It was a very strange decision. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange movie. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I was just thinking like at the end fight with Shang Chi fighting this giant demon dragon thing i was like if captain marvel was there she would just like fly into it a couple times and it would just die well, you like you don't know boring. that because here's the here's the thing with comic books is that they like there's they, always something they make up rules because yeah. it's like oh well like for example i i was talking about this on twitter actually recently which is like superman is completely susceptible to magic as a thing so right. like any character that, that's so why like, ivy can always like because he's just too nice yeah and i guess kisses people that aren't his wife and then yeah. ivy takes control of him he's, he's stuff, very yeah. he's awkward guy at party who doesn't want to like make people upset he uh, pulls a mordecai and he kisses ivy yes. on accident at the party <laughs> yes great great comparison showing, actually. showing how far i am in regular shows so, we are definitely talking about that when i get that timely uh actually i don't know if they're coming <laughs> up with movies or anything soon so maybe um but uh but yeah, so like, so the character that that they're so for those who don't know, Talos tr- protecting a portal to the underworld, I guess, where there's yeah, that, one of the pretty fear, cool. one of the fear lords is there, like uh, the the one below or something. It's a character of the comics. It's similar to D- Despair and Nightmare. It's one of those people. Uh, their version is it's just like, Skeletor. Yeah, their their version is very um, Cthulhu esque. It's just a big giant monster thingy. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I thought it was cool. I don't know. Yeah, the fact they can mimic the sound of your loved ones and it and would have been great glory. if it kept talking like that. Like it was just, it could keep communicating yes. with them. Like if it was, was trying to get Shang Chi and trying to get all the other. Like and it doesn't. <laughs> I here. I we're we're definitely going to continue talking about this part, but I just wanted to. I I just want more dread in these movies, and I was hoping to get that with this at the end because yeah. it was so silent when it's introduced. Like just to have like. Here's what I, I really thought there was going to maybe be like, um, like just something that like makes us think to something. 
Okay, this is actually in my head. It's blowing up because it's bringing up a bigger discussion I had with my wife last night. So continue with your thought and hold on, listener, because <laughs> I have so much more. I I just what is happening? You can't see me. this, but like Melvin's like shaking, he's sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I just start just profusely. I have a drinking problem. It's just like it's just pouring water down my face. Um, yeah, there's just there's there's <laughs> what a if lot. Fell I fell all over the creature. <laughs> what if they got married? What if they have more kids? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right. Just like um, Donkey the, and the Dragon. Yeah, the horrible family photos they would have had. Um, they have the 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 dance off at the end of the VHS for Shrek, and it's just like this eldritch creature. Oh, and, taking you back. You watched that in my fifth grade like math class at the end of the year. It, dude, te- you my... gotta watch after the credits. It's the funniest yeah, thing. Yeah, it's good stuff. And they made a cannon because yeah. the babies show up, and yeah. then they're in this is third Shrek two and three, just like the Marvel Smack universe. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Man, they really missed it with Katzenberg. He was way ahead of his time. <laughs> Genius. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay, it's like, finish it's, your thought though, because I, I, I have so was, many thoughts. Yeah, it's, it well, it becomes a big, yeah, it's a big punch up. And my main thing is they stop kind of they stop doing martial arts really by the end. So like yeah. the, the, the 10 rings as a thing, I like them as a power. They're I like super them. cool. They're super cool. cool weapon. And it's like, it's not overpowered. It's limitations. Like you can kind of use them to fly, but they use them to shoot off. And I like the included detail. Remainder would shoot the ground before he landed to, to tell his impact. Yeah, there's that. There's, it seems like it's not like the ha- Thor's hammer and Jolner where like other people could take them. So it was neat that like the final fight between him and Mandarin, Shang-Chi or Mandarin, they're like pulling them from each other. Yes, and I thought that was really cool. And then you're also seeing different fighting styles where Mandarin is much more um, closed fist, yeah. aggressive. I overpower the rings. They're mine. Whereas like Shang-Chi's was more protective. Like he was he, luring them away from him. Like he hit yeah. the uh, the green shells, the three green shells in Mario Kart, and they are rotating around him. You're losing me, Melvin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're like Sonic the Hedgehog when you hit okay, the barrier yeah, yeah. and it spins around <laughs> you and you can take emeralds, one more hit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he water bends the the rings away from him. It's very cool. which is really cool. It's yeah. awesome. It's cool stuff. It, it's it's, so it's cool. where you're expanding the type of characters and powers that people are using. Right, where it's not just people are just shooting lasers at each other. They're unique objects yeah. that have unique rules, both strengths and limitations, and it. And it's like it, my thought, and this is where the marketing and the system works. Where I was just like, I want to see this guy interact with other characters. I want to see what Shang Chi would do hanging out with the Avengers. I want to see him fight other types of beings. You know, I think the idea where he's like his base thing is he's just really good at fighting, but then he also has this extra element. And I like this change where in the comics it's literally ten rings you wear on your fingers, and I think they changed it because it's very similar to like the Infinity Gauntlet with the with the gems and stuff. So, like, I think it was a good change they made. Where is it just because yeah. it's similar to, like... It's a cool prop. It's a very cool prop. And it's, so, like, the OG Ten Rings are similar to, like, the the Infinity Stones where they control, like, a thing where these are just, like, its own weird thing. And, like, we established in the post-credits scene, they establish that their origin is unknown. Wong mm-hmm. states that there's nothing in the Sanctorum in their library that talks about the Ten Rings. It, they, they're at least a thousand years old, but much older because both um, Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner are there sharing their info. You know, Captain Marvel saying, well, like, in the, the us space people don't know anything about it. And Bruce Banner saying, well, us science people don't know what's going on. Right. And they're they're calling to something. There's some element inside of them. So it, it, like, it's neat. You know, it, it's neat. And it, it the gimmick works where now I want to know what happens in the next chapter. And now I'm actually kind of wondering if Eternals will touch upon it anyway. So they got me. So I'm like, oh, I want to see what happens next. And then the post-post credit, the... That's the mid credits. The post credits 
is it turns out that Shang Chi's sister did not do what she said and disband the Ten Rings. She's of just taking them over, like, and she's girl bossing it up. And yeah. it's and honestly, I was like, that's cool. I like the idea that there's just a giant terrorist organization existing in Marvel that who knows what they'll pop up next. That's one of those fun running things. And comic book stuff needs it. You need to have AIM yes. and Roxxon and Hydra and all these groups that just exist perpetually forever. Yeah, and it's neat. Yeah, it's what it's what makes these movies kind of fun. And so it's uh it's a fun movie and it's I don't really have a lot of things I disliked about it. It it really the what we're talking about when we, we have criticisms it's not living up to potential. Much like Shang-Chi right. himself. There's all these things where it's like, oh, it'd have been cooler if the the demon from hell thing did more demonic things. That would have been cool. Yeah. It'd be cool if Or if Shang-Chi had more character cuz when I was like thinking about it today, I was like doesn't really have a lot in terms of character. There's he has a lot of motivation, but he doesn't he has have a lot, lot of motivation. Of, yes. Yeah. But he doesn't have like any particular traits that like I could say are unique to him as a person. Even with Aquafina or really anyone else. I think the only one who has character is probably Slattery. <laughs> and and that's just because it's easy to make someone sound delusional and cuckoo crazy. And Ben Kingsley's fun. He's a fun actor who will do literally anything. So yeah, he's, he's great. And he does it all very well. Was, so. He showed up at like the Hollywood premiere. Everyone's like, wait a minute. Is Ben Kingsley back? And so it was like spoil <laughs> on Twitter. And that's cool. I was like, cool, cool. Yeah, and um, fun fact, Razor Fist in the comics, both his arms are blades. So they changed it to only one in the movie because that would have been kind of dumb if it's just <laughs> it's just a guy with two sword arms running yeah. around. How does he, like, text somebody? <laughs> he does, like, could he respond to his pager or is it just, like, his blade would just have a pager on it? Maybe there's a screen. <laughs> he's, like, maybe, chopping somebody up and then it's, like, he's getting notifications on his Facebook. Maybe he can, like, twist it off and put, like, a hand on one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it was good. I mean, what was your thought? What was your um, yeah, you gripped I, by in the middle of the night? You're gripped by inspiration. <laughs> you know. I start sweating <laughs> profusely. I got to write this. Got to pitch this to Feige. And then it just turns out I'm writing about episode one, season 10 of The Office. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I was thinking, I was talking to Kat. I was like, I'm waiting for this moment. Like we've had moments of dread in the Marvel Universe, but they never last long. Like the end of Infinity War has dread and it's like really effective, but it's also like, contracts are out for the next 10 years so we know no one's actually really no one's ever really gone um and so i but i i was kind of hoping i what i would like to see in this next phase is some serious like you have to see something else to get it kind of mood but only in the sense that it's something dramatic so like we watch loki we end loki there's a bunch of timelines now we know that Jonathan Majors is out there ruining everything, uh, making the world a worse place um, in the world. And by that, I mean, in the Marvel world, he's making the world a better place by being in more stuff and being many different characters now because he's going to be a thousand different things in Kang. And um, that's that should be his next movie is a thousand different things in Kang. <laughs> but um, that sounds like some sort of like independent drama flick. <laughs> I would watch that. That's pretty dope. <laughs> and it just ends with like another Kang showing up and it's just getting him and the <laughs> what you say song starts playing <laughs> but um yeah a thousand different things <laughs> Kang sounds like a movie where it's like he has some secret and the end of the movie it turns out he's like AIDS or, or, or something <laughs> this was the world he was trying to prevent yeah. was the, and he was he was patient zero for aids what a really really it's like dark tw- it's ending. 12 it's like 12 monkeys but way sadder you know <laughs> way worse yeah 
Way more topical. Was not expecting that. Yeah, by um, that it's like yeah, it'd be like a movie where he's like he's like yeah he's like he can't connect with people <laughs> it's him in a hospital bed at the end well just it's like, like just the whole like, movie he can't connect with people people are trying to like be like why won't you open up to me and he's like i can't talk about it and then it turns out yeah it <laughs> turns out he's dying and then the end of the movie he's like i had aids the whole time well it's like he's holding he's holding hands with somebody and it's like there's an infinite number of universes there's somebody of me and i truly am the most blessed of them all you know because <laughs> i get to die cool well, with the, you the you know death. he's holding he's holding her hand or whatever and it's something sweet where's my movie feige <laughs> I know, right? Come on. Um, but like knowing that like all these timelines happen, I was saying to Kat, like, what if there was like the timelines are happening and from from this mansion they're in, like a wave came out, like some sort of like pulse. It stretches out. So like Superman's pulse at the in the beginning of um Justice League Snyder Cut, which is probably the best scene in the whole Justice League Snyder Cut, um, because it's so haunting and interesting and comic booky and spooky and horrific um and mysterious. And then, like, we're watching Shang-Chi. We're here with our popcorn. We're like, oh, I'm so excited to watch another movie that might be better than Black Widow. Yay, this is great. <laughs> I, it's so sad that Black Widow is, like, kind of like the new punching bag, I feel like, of Marvel. Whereas, like, Ultron was, and now Black Widow is. <sighs> Ultron's way better than Black Widow. I'm just going to go on record as saying that. I think I'll have to rewatch Shoot Ultron. Shoot me, internet. I'm sorry. The, at least ends better. I like the conversation between Vision and that last Ultron robot. Yeah, I think that's really there's fascinating. There's a lot of, yeah, Ultron, the problem is that it's not... The whole is not as good as the sum of its parts. There's a lot right. of like bits. Like I like, like all the good. stuff where they're hanging out and joking around. That stuff's really great. Ultron as a so. character is just really cool. And uh but yeah, so like we're having this final fight with this demon, right? And all this stuff's going on. But then that wave that we saw in Loki comes flowing through and it like passes through everybody, and everyone's like, What the heck was that? Like and so they keep fighting, but then things start happening. Think figures start appearing, or I don't know, maybe another demon shows up, or maybe the demon's warping and changing, and all this stuff. And so, like, there's this real mystery of what's going on. And I said to Cat, "Here's why it could work: people who have never watched a Marvel movie come into this movie recognizing it's a fantasy movie, except that something like that can happen. Two, you haven't watched the Marvel shows." But you've watched all the Marvel movies, so you can accept that something like this can happen. So it's totally fine. Three, you've watched everything. So now when the wave passes through, your first thought is immediately going, that's the wave from Loki. And now everything's happening. And so you have this amazing, like, there's just this, like, catharsis of it's paying off, keeping up with everything, but also the dread of, I don't know what's happening anymore. Because what's sort of been the case with all these movies is you always kind of know what's going to happen. Shang-Chi's gonna not die. You know Shang-Chi's not gonna die because he's gonna be in the other ones. Um, Aquafina's not gonna die because she's gonna be the sidekick that sticks around and probably becomes another hero later on. So you have all these things. Like, these movies are super, super familiar. So I guess, like, I just... When I was watching this movie, I was sort of fantasizing of, like, something unfamiliar happening. So, like, when Aquafina falls off the skyscraper, I was like, whoa, they're going to actually do it. <laughs> like, she's just not going to be around. And then maybe they'll put her in in some other way. I don't like the idea of making, like, the death of a woman become the important plot point for a man because that's been the case for a bajillion things. But that's at least something I wasn't expecting. And then the sister saves her. So, like, whatever. So, I guess, like, I just – I I was – I'm fantasizing or hoping to see if like in one of these phase four movies, something like that happens where like something from somewhere else totally comes in and it's not like a Trevor Slattery showing up kind of thing where it's like, I wasn't expecting him, but more like something consequential to the story, completely changing things. 
Because like then you would have a scene maybe where the Mandarin escapes or something if he hadn't already been soul sucked, which was great, by the way. We didn't even talk about that, but the drama oh, yeah. really pays off. Yeah. So like, yeah, the demon thing, it's stronger than our souls that it consumes. So, man, those dudes him. are dead, dead. Yeah. Like, you no, know, there you go. <laughs> and it's like, that's all really cool. Um, So the drama totally paid off there. But like, what if people hadn't died at times? So then he somehow gets scooped away. And now the Mandarin becomes the actual Mandarin becomes some sort of spokesperson or like kind of the mouth of Sauron for this like demon thing. I don't know. All of that could have been really, um, I just, I just, I want something to surprise me with these movies is what I'm saying. Well, get ready for Spider-Man and Dr. Strange. There's going to be some sort of weird shenanigans in one of those movies. I expect. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking that would have been a great intro if I didn't think about The Office. <laughs> and this introduction was talking about the Spider-Man trailer, which, hey, maybe that's what we need to start doing is just talk about these Spider-Man movies because um, we only have till what, December like tw- yeah. 20th or something? Well, the rumor was they were waiting to see how well Shang-Chi did to see if they want to delay Spider-Man. Apparently Shang-Chi has done well enough. Oh, because of COVID, COVID-3. <laughs> I can't say COVID-2 electric boogaloo because we've already had COVID-2. SARS-COVID-2 is... COVID was already COVID too, kind of in a way. So <laughs> that's right. We're COVID nineteen. Yeah. It's almost it's catching up to the amount of Marvel movies there are. This is the twenty fifth Marvel movie. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Actually, it's more because now the Spider Man Raimi movies are canon, and so are yeah, the, it's, the uh, Amazing Spider Man. Like, man, I can't wait to see Spider Man three. It's like, oh no, 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 no. First, you Actually, gotta watch Spider Man eight. Twenty five <laughs> these movies. Then you have to watch these five other Spider Man movies. Then you gotta like, watch. Is Miles Morales gonna show up? Who knows? Well, then you gotta watch three seasons of Daredevil. You have to watch, which includes the Defenders crossover. You know? That's right. Uh, which is what I want. I want. I want my hobby to be so impenetrable. That no one else can even talk that about no what one I can like. Mock you because I am the fan of a multi-billion-dollar property. What are you a fan <laughs> of? <laughs> like, what did you think of the new Doctor Strange movie? Like, oh, did you watch thousands and thousands of hours of other programming first, and you can't even talk to me next? That's where I want my identity to be. <laughs> I, yeah, well, it's like it's, it's this weird, it's this weird line where it's like on the one hand. You want something really wild out of left field to happen in one of these movies. The other hand, something dreadful. Like I really want something. We need to have something that doesn't just get you excited for the next movie, but maybe something like hopeful for the next movie. Give me dread now, so I have hope for the future. That's what I want. But I want it like not in these Avenger tentpole movies because you knew they were coming back. There's totally characters you could do that with too. That's kind of the frustrating thing. Is there's like imagine if like in Doc in Spider Man, they introduce Craven the Hunter. And throughout the movie, he just kills all the other Spider-Men. And then, not just like, the other Spider-Man, but like <laughs> all the all the uh, Aunt Mays is just killing just every Aunt May one after one. You're like, like, oh my god! Imagine just like how wild it'd be if like Tom Holland walks in a room and it's like Craven's trophy room, but he has like the heads of all the other Spider-Man Garfield characters. Like, yeah, yeah, Garfield McGuire. He's got all the Aunt Mays. He's got like you know all these like like need something like that because it's funny because like there was a character. Things called Scourge of the Underworld, where his the reason the writers created him was just to clean up all the C and D list villains in the comics because there's just too mm-hmm. many of them. They need mm-hmm. something like that for Marvel, where they just have like a character who just goes through and kills all these other characters because like we don't want to keep paying these actors, we don't want to have to worry about all these like continuity stuff. Just clean it up. I'm waiting for something like that to happen. That'll be your new Uber villain because like Kang's Kang the Conqueror is cool and all, but like you need somebody who's just going to clean up this convoluted franchise so yeah that's my pitch baby that could be carnage just have carnage murder everyone or john yeah, bernthal punisher do it why not 
<laughs> That'd be all fascinating. And I just, I want to experience more than just light kind of baseline budget store brand potato chips comedy. And I want something more emotionally engaging. So yeah, give me, give me some dread. Give me some misery. <laughs> give me some of that. I want to feel bad. I want to, I want Marvel to make me feel sick. Make me feel sick like the end of it comes at night. Make me feel sick. <laughs> I want to feel like that guy sitting alone at a table because everyone loves is dead and sick or something. Yeah, know. give me a bit of that. I want to feel like that theater where everyone was just upset because they thought they were going to watch a horror movie. Um, and yeah. Or like a horror horror movie, not like a horror like the horror of human nature movie. Give me, give me something, give me something a little more. You, yeah, you need a character who's like this, who's just absorbing the souls of all the other Marvel characters, and he gains their powers, and not just right? their powers, but he like takes all the bad qualities of them, and so the whole movie is about confronting the the bad stuff. So like. He gets like even Tony Stark's soul because his soul still, you could say, exists out there and you don't have to bring back Robert Downey Jr. And then he's just like a weirdo sex pervert maniac playboy. And it's like, wow, that really was some bad stuff about him. Well, that's kind of that's kind of what Ultron was. He was just like Tony Stark. He had like a lot of the same personality traits as Tony Stark. Yeah, he representative like Toby Stark, but like everything that was bad about him. But like do something like that or like. (laughs) <laughs> you totally could tom cause... holland's soul they get tom holland's spider-man's soul and it's like this villain's like ah now i have an opioid addiction <laughs> I, <can't>, I, got, <laughs> I got ptsd for me in the military yeah like i don't know just give me something really like i don't know i don't do i don't want to like for sure i don't like... want to like traumatize the marvel fandom because it's also families and kids like that's I I'm wary of that. And I also think that's important for directors to be mindful of is, you know, who's your demographic. Don't pull an AMC walking dead where the guys are like, we want to have Negan really, we don't want Negan to just kill some characters on our show. We want to traumatize the, the, the people who watch our show. Like that's mean. That's not nice. That's mean. That's not cool. I mean, that definitely made me pay attention. You know, if like the movie, if like Spider-Man ends with like a guy like with a baseball bat just crushing Tom Holland's head and it would, ooh, that that sure was memorable. Yeah. But (laughs) it's like, that's like, that's like, that's, that's the equivalent of someone just flashing somebody else, like their genitals. Like, yeah, Yeah, you've got a reaction out of me. But that was wrong. It sure would be memorable. <laughs> like, yeah. I would remember it. <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> like it's, that, that's when we get to like the 45th Marvel movie, one director's going to lose his mind. He'd be like, you guys want something different? Just, <laughs> he sends the good. wrong cut to all the movie theaters. <laughs> and it's like his vision instead. It's just like it's like the, the, the clip that Gabe shows at the Halloween party in the office. And it's like <laughs> footage of like Stanley getting into his car. Yeah. <laughs> like, how'd you? how'd you get this who was filming me <laughs> like, that's what that's what's gonna happen it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be a voyeuristic footage of kevin feige throws day like, <laughs> it's it's what his head looks coffee, like because we him. never see what his head looks like because he's always got hats on he's like <laughs> what's the name squirrel squirrel and it's the first harry potter movie he's just voldemort in the back of his head <laughs> it's just, it's just it's like no women oh, no. no minorities you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i want well you could totally do a thing with mephisto though like collecting the souls of all the dead marvel characters and then he grows more powerful as like he consumes all the characters yeah but, like, there's a lot of scary having a literal devil as your villain might be 
a weird for some audiences. I don't we know. we just confirmed there's a demon realm. Like that's that's like the part of the reason I like the first bus bus fight in this movie too is it had like just like it was like this banging music, man. It was yeah. like this is awesome. Like I'm so glad Marvel movies remember that fight scenes can be fun and not taken seriously with your string quartet. And like I was like, this is like if I was playing Doom Eternal and you just had like some killer metal music playing while I'm ripping a demon in half. Like get back to the fun. But then also make me feel like I don't think I can go to bed tonight. Like I want both. Uh, can I get both? Maybe someday. But I I don't know. We'll see. We will see. Yeah. But anyways, uh, what kind of <laughs> recommendations do you have apart from recommending Feige be a little more <laughs> risky? Yeah. What's up? What What you got? What you got? <laughs> what do I got? I don't know. Uh, okay. So I am once I'm once again in the in the midst of teaching. Uh, various different classes, well, classes, groups at uh, my church. And so I am going through, you know, the Psalms. And so currently we're going through Psalm 23 and Psalm 23 is nine verses, potentially one of the most famous bits of scripture in all the Old Testament. And it's very devotional in nature. So I recommend uh, there's a book called by Philip Keller called Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And Max Licato also wrote a book about Psalm 23. and I just think like it's I recommend the, both those little books and neither of them is like exegetical deep dig, but they're both very devotional in nature. Uh, but they both kind of dig deeply and think deeply about the implications of Psalm 23. And so in addition to recommending that you read Psalm 23 and meditate and pray on it, uh, I think those two little short, very brief books that look at the Psalm especially when balanced out with something like Dirk Kidner's Psalm commentary or, or something like that, give you a good devotional look at that Psalm at really think about the implications of what it means for the Lord to be your shepherd, what it means that with God, you will not want uh, what it means for God to lead you to still pastures and be with you through the valley of and the shadow of death. Um, I highly recommend that. And for my recommendation, something totally not <laughs> nearly as encouraging uh, or even really all that important, but the awesome album by Mouse Rat is on Spotify. So go check that out. Uh, it's great. This is the greatest band from Pawnee. You got to check it out. <laughs> it's got it's got hit songs such as uh, One Th- Thousand Candles in the Wind from Bye Bye Little Sebastian <laughs> and Sex Hair. <laughs> so you got to check it out. <laughs> and The Pit. They got The Pit. So yeah, the awesome album. That's it. <laughs> Wonderful. What's your, what's your fun recommendation, Dan? My fun recommendation. Oh, man. Uh, do I have fun? I think so. So like, I, I, I was waiting for more episodes of it to come out to see if I would, because I we're doubt, well, doubt we'll review it in any way. But so there's been a, there's an animated show on Disney Plus called What If, which is alternate universe takes on Marvel Snake Universe. Oh, we'll probably review it. I mean, why why do you think we wouldn't review it? Because I keep texting and saying I haven't watched a single episode. <laughs> well, or... that, that, and it's just like Marvel. There's just so much Marvel stuff out there. I, like eventually we'll just become a Marvel show talking about all the Marvel things if we try and keep up. I think it's just because this year has two years worth of Marvel stuff going yeah. on. So. Well, just to, yeah, just to give you a little taste of it before the first season. Uh, first off, the animation is terrible. It's just horrible looking. It did not look good. It, yeah. looks, it looks so bad. But uh, the most recent episode... As of this recording, is the what if Doctor Strange tried to 
what if Doctor Strange had not lost to the use of his hands in his car accident? What if it killed Rachel McAdams? Uh, it was very good. It's the first one that's kind of felt like a, uh, a Twilight Zone episode. So far, the first episode I thought was kind of the worst thing. It just was bad. But it's getting gotten progressively better. The third episode is re- alternate retelling of Fury's Bit Week, which for the MCU fans in the audience will know that that is uh, a big thing in the shared continuity of Marvel. So retelling that's interesting. And retelling so it's, 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 what? Uh, in the third it's episode? Re- it's all, the third episode is an alternate retelling of the uh, Fury's Big Week, which is a big event ah. thing from Marvel Cinematic huh. Universe. It, there, it's, it's an official canon tie-in comic that they released that ties the, all the events together of what happens when Nick Fury uh, uh, assembled the Avengers. Ah. So it's a bit of a huh. deep cut for the fans. So it's a retelling of that. It's a third episode. Uh, the Marvel Zombies episode comes out this week, so we'll see how that is. It's fun. It's a fun, enjoyable little cartoon. It's not too serious. Don't think about it too hard. The animation is just the pits, but it's pretty fun. And so it's kind of my mini review slash, hey, if you got nothing else to do on a Wednesday, watch this 35-minute cartoon. So there you go. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.